0: Hello and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her.
1: I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Rachel, my pronouns are they, them.
0: Summer Action Series kicked off the second half of the year for All Japan and it was jam-packed with title matches, exciting announcements and great wrestling. Let's not waste any more time and get into it. One was on the second at Corriken Hall. Raisin Haito, Ryu Inoue and Soma Montanabe defeated Dan Tamura, Hikaru Sato and Ryu Kamara in nine minutes and 59 seconds. Katara Suzuki and Hartley Jackson defeated Black Mensah Ray and Yoshi Tatsu in seven minutes and 12 seconds. Hokuto Amore and Noriki Tanizaki defeated Ruki Honda and Masao Hanabata in four minutes and 26 seconds. Toshizo, Jun Sato, Rei Sato, and Kono defeated Suama, Satoshi Kojima, Kazayashi, and Minero Tanaka in 8 minutes and 51 seconds. Kentomihara and T defeated Ren Ayabe and Tomoki Homa in 12 minutes and 52 seconds. In the junior heavyweight title match, Alindeman defeated Asuki Oyagi in 12 minutes and 25 seconds to become the new junior champion. Asuki fails in his second defense. And in the main event, the Triple Crown match. Yuma Oyagi defeated Yuji Nagata in 21 minutes and 18 seconds to become the new Triple Crown champion. Nagata fails in his fourth defense. we got some match announcements for the next month on the 6th of August. Kento faces Aito Yoshida. Yoshida has a history in all Japan being part of Jin, with Jake Lee, Koji Omoto, Fuminori Abe and Nayo Nomura. Hokuto Omori versus Kengo Mashimo. Takao Omori versus Satoshi Kojima. Team 330kg reunite, Tsushi Shikawa Yu and Chihiro Hashimoto take on Mayukihi, Ayami Sasamura and Tashi Takizawa. Asushi Onida X and X take on Unagi Saika X and X. It was later announced this will be Onita Hikaru Sato and Miss Mongol versus Unagi Saika Saki and Yoshitatsu. Saki Akai from DDT has been announced for the August 27th show. She announced earlier in the year she'll be retiring on the 23rd of November. So where do we want to start from day one?
2: (laughs) Do we want to just cut to the chase and go straight to the title matches? Because I think there's quite a lot to talk about there.
0: Yes. Yuma Oyagi finally becoming Triple Crown champion. Like I have been waiting for this moment since I became a fan of Yuma back in 2019. I was a bit hesitant about this match. I wasn't really too happy that Yuma uh, challenged because it's his second challenge of the year. But that really changed my mind with the pre-match video, them showing Yuma's losses. And then Nagata, he got his opportunity with the three original belts. I was like, oh, my God, Yuma's winning this. Oh, my God. like, So I was really stressed from there. He did ask on Twitter who will be in his corner. And Anzai, UA and Haito also said they would. So it was really cool seeing them there. The match was fine. Um, I don't really want to talk about the match because like it's like a blur in my mind. But Yuma is really, really good again beating up and saying he's come back for the second half of the match. Like, that's like his bread and butter, like his thing. But when he won, I literally bored my eyes out. I was just so happy. It's finally his time to see him at the top is just such a joy. I cried when he had the belt around his waist. I cried when he had his back to the camera and turned around so you could see the triple crown again. I have watched every single one of his triple crown matches live, so I'm just so happy. All my tears have been saved up for this match. And Hokuto Mori came out and challenged, which was a surprise. I was, I, was, I was surprised with this challenge. I thought it would be someone different, but I was very optimistic with what they could bring to the table.
2: Yeah, I remember um, with the pre-match package, I remember Alicia mentioning how similar it felt to Jake's pre-match package when he won the triple crown from Kento and that that always stuck out in my mind. I know that was like the first thing you said and you tweeted Alicia.
1: Yeah that was um quite the weekend because going into it, I think a lot of us felt pretty confident that this was going to happen for Yuma. It felt like this was it. And I had really complicated feelings about that because I didn't want him to win it from Nagata. Uh, but it felt like it mattered less and less that he was going to beat Nagata for the belt because then it only mattered that Yuma was going to finally do it. Um, and everyone, I think, being so excited and sort of united around Yuma finally getting this opportunity was really cool. And, and even though Elon ruined our weekend and made it impossible for everyone to see Everyone's tweets so that we could all celebrate Yuma. I think the way that everybody wanted to, that was really disappointing. But even through like barely being able to see everyone's tweets and having to like DM people to like weigh in on all of this, you could still feel that that palpable excitement and how much everyone really wanted this and was backing one guy in Yuma and like how how completely deserved. And you know we've talked about this on uh, our all together again review that we did uh, with with, with wari kick out but yuma is you know a unifier and that is the role that he has taken as he's sort of grown over the years since next stream began um and his origins in that uh to where you had a very uh very individual uh you know all these guys coming together these very individual goals and these ideas of who they were going to be Uh, within all Japan. And now Yuma is very much um, a uniter within the promotion, within um, the people that he interacts with. And I think amongst uh, the hardcore fans, which is really lovely to see. So yeah, it was a beautiful thing that when that package rolled, it had every vibe of uh, the one that they rolled for Jake right before Um, he beat Kento for the Triple Crown, um, which was, you know, uh, an emotional thing. And also, I think validated a lot of us who thought that this was going to be it for Yuma and to have that come to fruition this way was, you know, it's extraordinary.
2: Extremely well said. Um, I love this match. I thought it was incredible. Uh, just right from the beginning, you have Yuma refusing to show respect to Nagata and didn't give him the clean break. And then the whole crowd just went insane for Yuma and it was just so fun so validating like you said everybody despite the fact that we were all sort of like tweeting in a glass cage um because (laughs) of Elon it was it was actually a little sad to see that that we could kind of see each other's tweets but we couldn't really do anything about it but You still you got that moment that crowd was going insane. Everybody was just behind him. And um, Nagata just fired back to try to teach Yuma and teach the crowd a lesson. And he just went at it like Jesse said, like, Yuma just got beat. (laughs) for so much of this match. And then he saw those opportunities and he took it because that's who Yuma is. He sees these opportunities and he, and he slides right in there. And sometimes it's zany and silly and fun, but in the end, it's always just Yuma. And when he makes these comebacks, it's it's a big deal. And he just would not be slowed down. This was his moment. And you could feel that throughout the whole match. And it just, yeah, Nagata looked great. He um, worked really hard to make Yuma win looked like it mattered and it did it it really did and and Yuma really earned that moment um even if I would have also preferred it to be against Kento I think we all sort of were there but um there yeah this match was was special and when he gets that match with Kento it will be something special
1: and to Nagata's credit this was a well-built match I I think it's very similar to the Anzai match he gave a lot Um, for Anzai to work with and made Anzai look fantastic in the process. Um, I don't think necessarily that Yuma needed to have so much to work with because he's this like up and coming guy who needed to struggle in that way. But the beauty of Yuma as a wrestler, the thing that people love in him is that he is an underdog. He is so much better when he's coming from behind. Um that's why his uh champion carnival win was so beautiful too, because Jake gave him something to really struggle against so that when he finally gets that win you hear know, that pop from the crowd, it's because he's really had to fight against the wall that Jake Lee provided him in that match. So Um, yeah I think to that end that match was built beautifully I I think that Nagata's reign is interesting because people will look at that reign and they will have varying opinions on if it was a good reign if it did good things for all Japan did it did it bring in um, the things that people like to talk about in terms of putting people in seats and whatever and what have you but um, you know the only thing I can say is that I think that there was some stuff in the middle that is largely I think maybe forgettable for me at least but I think um, with the final two matches, with the match he had with Anzai, the match he had with Yuma, uh, they were extremely well done. They played to the strengths of his opponents. And I think that they did something for um, those two. And to that end, you know, the story between Yuma and Kendo gets to keep going. You know, I think that we get to see that play out for longer. And and that I think is something that has, has mystified people when it came to Kendo and Jake, um, you know, people wanting to have seen that come to a head a lot sooner. But um, that's, I think, very forced through the trees stuff. We say those things in the moment because we just want to see Jake, for example, like, you know, get that big moment so badly. But then when you see that perfect moment come to a head, it's like, no, it could have only been this moment. I think we're going to see that with Yuma and Kento as well as that continues to play out. So we get to have these things for that much longer because wrestling should just keep going and going and going. Right. We always have to have a reason to tune into these guys. Um, I wanna talk about Hokuto Amori for a second because as Jesse mentioned, he was the challenger here. And I think that this fell a bit flat because of what happened earlier on in the card in his match with Ryuki Honda, which was uh, a really unfortunate accident. And it's really hard to say what exactly went wrong here. Um, I really don't wanna get into the weeds of discussing what went wrong, what happened other than something clearly went wrong with maybe the the elbow spot, if you will. This affected Honda, and it just didn't look very good. A lot of us were very confused when that match happened. Um, But that clearly was meant to happen, and something was meant to happen, rather, in order to set up uh, Hokuto coming out and being Yuma's first challenger. That All happening, I think, made me feel a little bit underwhelmed and sort of confused. I don't know if either of you had similar feelings um, when that all happened and when Hokuto came out to challenge him. And if you just have general thoughts on on Hokuto in general being the first challenger.
2: So I... uh didn't have this show on from the beginning live I turned it on a little bit later and as soon as I got into the screen I saw Honda getting um rolled out and I was really really worried and I messaged Alicia and Alicia was like that was weird and that was it and so that was sort of my impression of that moment and then when I went back and actually watched this match and watched that moment I had the exact same feeling I'm like oh yeah that was weird um, and they they sort of do try to play it up like in backstages later. They're like, oh, uh, Hokuto knocked Honda out with one shot. So like you said, it, it's sort of kind of trying to set this up as as being a big thing. And um, you can sort of connect it to this storyline. I sort of talked about it a little bit last month of um, Hokuto learning more of like a Bachi Bachi style from like his interactions with Nakajima and, and his partnership with Suzuki and becoming, you know, more of a, of a tough one, like one hit knockout guy. Um, but I, I don't know, it's not working for me. I guess I could say like, this doesn't really feel like Hokuto and, and I think he's sort of getting there, but it's something that we need to let Simmer and stew rather than just go straight for it and give him these these things. And so I think the challenge was just a little too early is where what I'm getting at. And this won't be the last time that I say that.
0: Yeah, the challenge was way too early. I agree with both of you, what you said about Hokusou um, when it comes to Honda and stuff. It just felt like, okay, he's Amore, like he has no chance of winning. It was strange. I thought it would be Honda, actually. I would be more excited for that much, but like we'll get to it, how they did a bit later in the show.
1: To your point, I probably would have also enjoyed it if it was Honda, but it wouldn't have made sense for Honda, only because Honda just lost a T-Hawk, so it feels like we burnt Honda being a challenger for Yuma For a minute, which is unfortunate because every time Honda gets in front of Yuma, it's like a barn burner type of situation. They're just so good. At the same time, Hokuto is also a very special opponent for Yuma. They're also very good together. I think that it really came down to the match with with Hokuto and Honda and those guys being very unreadable in terms of like, is this a work? Is Honda actually hurt? We found out later that Honda was legitimately hurt and needed to come off of a show to heal from um, a possible concussion which was really unfortunate. That being said, I think that I don't necessarily mind Hokuto having some sort of statement thing like the Helbo I just think that what happened in that tag match with him and Honda possibly exposed something that we've talked about with Hokuto um, a few times on the show, I believe, in that he doesn't pivot well in things where there's a lot going on. He's still, I think, a little bit inexperienced when it comes to Uh, those more like gimmicky things in matches that go on a little too long. Or in this case with what happened with Honda, I think there was just a little bit of inexperience there. Um, That's, that's all I really want to get into when it comes to that. I just think that that's come up before with him and it's not to place blame on anyone really in particular. I just think that that's, there was a lot going on and there was just perhaps some inexperience there, but yeah. So we'll talk more about um, that challenge later on, but piggyback off of something jesse said i actually was more comfortable with it being someone like hokuto coming out to challenge yuma first because we knew that yuma would win (laughs) that's like it's just nice to know that we would probably see him through a successful first defense and like that's probably pretty good
2: yeah that's actually extremely well said especially as we get into his next challenger but we'll talk about that in a bit yeah oh
1: Oh, man oh
2: So let's talk about the other uh, title match that we have. That would be Al Lindemann and Atsuki Aoyagi. Um, Not as an exciting of a result, uh, but what did you guys think of the match itself?
0: I want to hear you two talk because I heard you mention Al Lindemann on your podcast with uh, Dana and Sarah. And I've been waiting this whole time for you to say what you thought about this match.
2: We did promise the people
1: El Linderman takes. We did say that, didn't we? I I already said my one take on that episode, which is that <laughs> I'll say it here. When he when El wears a suit, um, he looks like when people put um their little babies in suits for Halloween. And that's like not to like particularly slight him at all, but that's what he looks like. Anyway, El Lindemann. I didn't think this match was bad at all. I'm not really, everyone that's listening knows that I'm not like a, a huge great guy um, per se. But Ellen Elenderman's a good wrestler. You know, he, he 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 is a good wrestler. And I thought this match was fine. I thought that Otski did um, rather well here. To me, there wasn't like as much of the glaring Otski stuff that like sometimes like does my head in a little bit with him as there was in other matches. So I thought it was a fine match. I was just disappointed with the result. I did not think that Otski was going to lose to El um, Lindemann here I thought that they were going to go for the Aoyagi brother clean sweep given that it's like such a palpable like feel-good moment that they really could have like hammed up for the press of like the two brothers like you know Yuma finally getting his big singles belt and uh Asuki retaining so they both have world titles like I-, I thought that's what we were going for here but apparently that's not the way so for me I really walked away from the match more so just being disappointed that we were giving the belt to another great guy. Uh, that's not what I had in the cards for me, at least. So, so yeah, I actually have more thoughts about who comes out to challenge him and how that title match goes uh, later on in the month. Um, but we, I think we did be mention yet that Rio Inue comes out to challenge him. All right, while well, mentioning it now, comes out to challenge him afterwards, which I thought was quite the choice. I, I was actually really excited to see Inoue be the one to get to do that and step up and, and defend all Japan. Um, you know, we've, we, we do a lot of comparing between him uh, and Anzai, right? Because they're both rookies. They both, you know, have this sort of, we know that Anzai is the super rookie, but um, Rio Inoue is also treated like that more or less too. It's just scaled differently because he's not like a heavyweight. Like Anzai is, doesn't have the same pedigree as him. We've talked about that extensively. So I was excited to see that come to fruition. Um, it's extraordinary to me that, you know, he's he's so new and he's going to already have, um, you know, a chance to go after the title, right? And defend um all Japan so yeah I'll have a lot to say about uh, that title match as we get through the month but that was uh very interesting to me as well
2: yeah I think you really nailed it and I actually was wondering while I was sort of you know going over my notes for this match I was wondering if the not the reason but they were sort of leaving that opportunity to have the big brothers clean sweep moment like they're like oh we'll we'll do it later but i i can't really justify it in my head like that they're leaving the door open for it it just feels like a wasted opportunity it really does i can't justify it um i can't justify any of this decision the match like you said was fine i thought it was a good match it was um boring Twitter person voice, a sprint. Um, it, it didn't really <laughs> slow down at any point. It just, they went straight for it and it, it's a pretty short match. So it's a fun watch. Um, the ending stretch was was really fun. Um, El Lindemann has a really, really great delayed suplex, which is a, a big weakness of mine. So I thought that, that looked really cool. That was fun. Um, but yeah, the just, I don't know why we're doing this. Um, like the only... Explanation I can think of is, is Shimaism, um, because we've already had the big bad invader who's sort of a cocky, fun character worker bastard comes in and defeats our beloved hero, Atsuyao Yagi. And now he's opening the door for another junior to step up and save the junior belt. Like we did this, we did this this year and it was right. done really well. Um, and, and not to say that Elendiman can't work that. I'll, we'll talk about that later in the month too. Cause he does do really good character work. He feels like a dastardly like jerk and he disrespects the belt and that's cool and that's fun but we literally just did this with Doy. <laughs>
1: is still doing it and, and like Doi's to me like Doy is a better character worker in this way and like it's just I don't know like Doy does it I don't remember Doy being particularly disrespectful about the belt but like I don't know something about Lindemann throwing the belt around and doing like I don't know that's something I've enjoyed in other people mm. I just think that I'm a little bit burnt out on that concept right now. I don't know. I I think it's because we're just coming off of Nagata holding the triple crown, like all that stuff. I think when you when you add it up, it's like no, like we could have had something entirely different here. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. It does. It's just not. It's just not working for me in in particular. I,
2: yeah, no, I get, I get you exactly because it is something I like. I like that trope. I love when they disrespect the belt and then the promotion has to come up and be like, stop doing that. That's great. It's fun. And the juniors are doing a great job working with it. But like you said, it's, it's once you compile it all into this big picture of everything we've already been doing with that same sort of genre it's it's tiresome so I think you're right on it <laughs> Jesse. what did you think
0: my first note is I thought the shima tax would be paid off by now it was a good little match I didn't want El lindermint to win like if all Japan just booked this match on the next show so we could have like a couple of days of the Ayagi brothers on top like that would have been amazing but unfortunately they didn't do that um, I think L. Lindemann would be a good champion. We've already seen him be a champion in All Japan, and he was pretty good with that. <laughs> he was a little bit confused with Aski winning the belt back so soon after his first reign because I'm like, what's he going to do again? Is he going to do the All Japan Junior loop and then lose to another outsider? But I didn't expect him to lose this soon. It's just uh, just another glee guy having the belt. is just it's too much. <laughs> And especially we got the triple crown back on an all Japan guy. So we have to lose another belt to an outsider. It's just kind of, okay, he won an outsider won. Like, okay, how long do we have to wait till it comes back to all Japan?
1: And it's like, I feel like a hypocrite sometimes because like, if we were having this conversation about Musashi, Mm. then it's a different program then i'm like all right well then he comes around he wins the title and then i yeah then i would like to see some of the all japan juniors go up against musashi and get the belt back but i think for me it's like it's just the glade thing i just don't i just that's just not personally what i care for but we're also the, the point i'm making about bringing someone like musashi into the conversation is that I'm i'm aware that we have constraints and that we don't have a large roster so really what are we going to do and we're going to talk more about as we get into this month like um we'll talk about two things that directly involve Otski that, you know, this decision to take the belt off him here would have made more sense with one of the things that Otski does. And then they bring him back into it in a weird way at the end of the month. And we'll talk about that too. So there's just a lot of weird decisions, but I think all of it sort of underscores, we just have a small roster. But if we were bringing in people from, I think more dynamic companies that I think some of us would really want to see more from, like if we were like looking at Michi Pro, if we were looking at BJW more for their our partnerships and not just leaning on Glee, I think that um, I know at least I would be um, a lot more excited about decisions like this.
0: I just think All Japan should work more with Dragon Gate. I would like to see those guys uh, tear it up with the juniors. And they did, they were on the show like a couple years ago. They were, you know, here and there doing Prime Night. Susumu was the junior champion for a while. So why not? Because
1: he's really trying to break my heart. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of people from Dragon Gate that I would really want to see come over. Like, I, I like Kota Minora. Um, I but like yeah, him. for the most part. Yeah, I like Kota Minora. Uh, we'll see with Yuki Oshioka. I'm on the nice with him. But we'll see with his end run- one run how I feel about him. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. We they could just branch out in general. Like I'm I'm with I'm with both of you guys really. But Dragon Gate's not my promotion.
0: Oh, I just want to see yeah. more of it. I really like the promotion. That is
2: totally fair. <laughs> hey, totally no, fair. that's fine. Different it's strokes totally for fair. different folks. I'm just, like both of us were just kind of like mm, I don't know about
1: Dragon Gate. It's fun. I'll I'll keep trying a fantasy book, Masashi and you can fantasy book Dragon Gate, Jesse. It's okay. <laughs> can we talk about? Uh, My second favorite match on the card, Kento Miyahara and T-Hawk versus Ren Ayabe and Tomoaki Hanma. This match was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and it had no right to be third from the top, but it was amazing. It was so good. I... Remember sending the uh the graphic to Rachel when it got like officially booked, I think, of like Kento and T Hawk working together. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, what are they doing? <laughs> um, why would they do this? Uh, but this match was amazing. Like, if you are someone who, I don't know, maybe you didn't check out the full card, maybe you only went to the title matches. I don't know. If you haven't watched this match, it really was so worth it to watch these guys all work together. Ren Ayabe is having like a renaissance since coming back from his uh, injury last fall, I believe, was when he had that terrible lung collapse injury. Um, he is like a completely different wrestler all of a sudden, like just confident and like just amazing. And in, in how he's been developing, he, he's he's extraordinary. Uh, Kento and T Hawk were on one together in this. Like it's amazing how there is not a single person like that can't work with Kento. Seahawk is not someone who's been for me I think that sometimes he is like a charisma void like I don't really under I've not quite understood him however these two like bring something out in each other that is so entertaining and so like great they were fantastic to watch um I don't know how I don't know how Kendo does it like his weird brand of charisma himself that he can work with literally anyone and like develop some sort of like interesting partnership but that's what this match was and like even like I don't necessarily remember a lot of what Honma attributed to this match other than like someone for Kento to sort of banter with and make fun of the entire time. But like all of it worked. It was fantastic. Like easily one of the best matches of the night.
2: Yeah, Honma was mostly there to trigger that like signature like Kento weirdness that he gets with the, uh, with like older wrestlers, but it was perfect. Um, and yeah, no, this, this match was fantastic. Rena Yabe's forearms are disgusting, like in the best way. They looked so good in this match. I lost my mind. Uh, yeah, no, this was just a really fun match. Uh, I, I second exactly what you say. I've thought, I feel like I've said this in past triple um, talking triple crowns, but I feel like T-Hawk is best as a tag team wrestler he needs someone to work with like in general and that's why him and El Lindemann are so good together because El Lindemann is such a loud character that he can sort of work with I really liked his work with Tetsuya Endo in DDT Um, that was to me the best T-Hawk work I've seen but uh, this was this was fantastic because like you said Kento can really work with anyone and you know pull a lot out of them and pull great character work out of them So you really got to see that with T-Hawk. And um, yeah, I feel like both of their strengths sort of work together here in that way. So it was just a really fun watch, fun to watch them not be able to get along until like that big last move. And it it was good. It was just a really fun match.
0: I love this match. It's probably my second favorite of the show. I just thought it was so much fun. Kento and T-Hawk team were just amazing. Uh, They were so over the top and their shocked faces like, were there for half a match it's just like you can't be this shocked like the whole match I think Hanma was there because Suji couldn't make it and I wish Suji was there I don't want to see Hanma anymore in all Japan but Abe was fantastic t and Kento were fantastic it was just so much fun and it's only 12 minutes
1: it's worth a watch I think at some point Kento must have done like the Hanma voice or something um as well I just can't remember when it feels like that match was um like 100 million years ago now um I think he did or Yuma did so 100% worth checking out or finding that somewhere
0: I just want to mention from the first match um way, suplex into an armbar was just so smooth he looked great in this match and of course he got the win because it was uh, challenging later on but he kind of feels like a mini sato with the kicks and our submissions and I really like it I think it's a nice touch for him
1: so we're going to move on to day two, which was on the 8th at Yokohama Radiant Hall. And this was the Evolution 5 show. On this card, we had Rising Hayato and Atsuki Ayagi. They defeated Black Menso Rei and Yoshitatsu. Shushi Ishikawa and Yuma Anzai went to a draw. Mayoi Ozaki, Maya Yukihi, and Kakuru defeated Zones, Sunny, and Chichi. Noruki Doi and Hokuto Amori defeated Ryo Inoue and Fuminori Abe. Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi defeated Yuji Nagata and Ryuki Honda, and the main event was Suwama, Dan Tamura, and Hikaru Sato, and they defeated Toshizo, Jun Saito, and Rei Saito. On the 14th, it was announced that ring announcer Ryo Okuda had left the company, and that means this show was his last with All Japan. He will be extremely missed. He was a great announcer and had been with the company for quite a few years Uh, And this would be the last show June and Ray Saito would wrestle on for this month as well. On Twitter, it was announced that they would miss the rest of July due to a family emergency with their father um, back in the United States, who was in critical condition, and the Saitos needed to rush home to be at his side.
0: So the Evolution show is where we finally got the return of Blonde Sawama and his music. I think a lot of people have been missing that. I especially was missing that. It just makes me so happy. It's nice to see evolution back together again. There's a bit of a weird spot in this match. It did look like Toshizo was knocked out right at the end. Why Wada stopped the pin instead of just ending it there was really confusing. So Suama had to get up and like choke him out. Like we didn't need that one extra minute. Like he was out. Like you should have stopped the match straight there. That really soured uh, my take on this match i thought it was good it was good to see uh june and ray sato mix it up with Suwama, who's not part of voodoo murders and i'll always love the triple powerbomb fail spot that was like my favorite from the match but the whole Toshizo thing really soured and backstage Suwama made a challenge for the un tag team titles which the aoyagi brothers hold and he said dan will be his partner
2: yeah that's that's it the ending of this match was really weird um, personally, so I am glad to have like Sawama's old theme back, but I did actually prefer his Voodoo Murder theme. I keep thinking about it um, the more I hear the uh, the older theme. It, it makes me just a little little wistful. But, uh, but yeah, the overall, I think the take of this match was that the ending just sort of made the whole thing feel a little weird. Um, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of it or if Toshiza was okay, or if he wasn't, if it was a work or if it wasn't, um, which, you know, there's no real way to tell, but it, it was a very strange way to end the match. Um, the rest of the match was okay. I thought it was, um, I thought it was nice it was mostly Dan getting beat up for a while and then, um. The other two made the save for him because they they care about him very much. And um, that led to Dan having a really nice usita, um to sort of get the twins out of the way so that uh, Suwama could wreak havoc on Toshizo, which, of course, led to that weird ending. But evolution's all back together. And then, of course, we have um, Suwama challenging with Dan, which was a really nice moment as well.
1: I, I don't really know what to make of the Toshizo thing um but it's the same thing with uh honda i don't really want to get into the weeds of it too much because i can't really say what anyone saw or didn't see or what have you uh i still thought that there was a lot of uh good moments to that match There was a lot of catharsis for dan and sato um who had to fight voodoo murders a lot last year and we're clearly going through it with suwama and storyline so when you get that big moment of you know sato running into suwama's arms followed by like dan and they're all hugging each other it's great it's like the payoff to um, a solid year of just the weirdest voodoo murders bullshit you can imagine. Um, so yeah, it was really good to see Evolution back together. Um, it was worth looking at some tweets from some of the uh, Japanese fans that I follow who have been fans of the um, of Evolution and of also All Japan in general as a company for a long time. A lot of really emotional Aoki thoughts and sentiments um, in those tweets as well so yeah it was just a very i think feel good thing for evolution if you're a fan of them um yeah you can't kind of uh go wrong with that despite the kind of odd ending with toshizo obviously and hopefully he was okay um after all of that i thought that dan's um tobe suicida was fucking cool that's really great um dan is like we talk about all the time but like dan is someone who just looks like better and better and better every time um, he goes out for a match and like, I think things like that with him just looks so cool. Um, so yeah, just a, a good, good day if you're an Evolution fan, for sure.
2: And as I'm thinking about it more, I really love Sawama challenging with Dan as a result to Hikaru Sato challenging with Hideki Suzuki. Uh, there was that moment where he sort of lectures Sato for a moment. Like, why didn't you pick Dan? Well, I'm going to pick Dan and you're going to win those belts. And then we're going to challenge and we're going to have an evolution fight for them. And that was just a real return to form of Suwama in the way that he loves and the way he loves evolution is that he's a little cheeky. He's a little bit of a jerk. Um, He's, he's lecturing them, but he's also believes in Dan and he believes in Sato for winning that belt. And he wants to fight them and fight with them. And it it was just a really sweet way. So yeah, like you said, just a feel good moment. Like the more, the more you spoke, the more I sort of thought about that. Um, So yeah, I think that was really well said.
1: To that end, it's very much a callback to when Dan was trying to tag with um, Abdullah Kobayashi. Suwama made that whole big thing. He was like really against it, whatever. And then I can't remember all the details anymore because that feels like it happened a million years ago. But then um, then, uh, Abdullah couldn't come to like, I guess their match or something. Like there was like a cancellation maybe due to COVID. And then Dan says, well, um, can you tag with me to Suwama? And Suwama's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he ends up doing it anyway. And It's this whole thing. But, he, but, you know, he has to be a jerk about it. It's like very begrudgingly and like what have you. Um, but then to have him stand up for Dan in this moment and say, no, I'm going to tag with Dan because you're off tagging with Hideki Suzuki. And like, you know, it just bleeds right into like what you were just saying about them. Like that's that's so evolution but it's also like really I think paying respect to Dan in a very different way than before um you know there is like a progression here despite the year of like voodoo murders bullshit which is kind of great so there's that it's nice to see that payoff in the storyline in a big way
2: it's a really good connection I wouldn't have made that that was really fantastic
1: I really like Dan now
0: that he's back with um evolution I think it will definitely be helping his career like, he got pinned in the opening match um, on day one. And here he is, like, with his Evolution buddies back together. He's challenging for the tag team belts. I'm just I'm just really happy for him. So we should move to the other Evolution matches with uh, Zone, Sunny, and Chi Chi. Teaming together for the first time. And I thought it was a really good outing for the Evo girls as a trio. There were a little missteps here and there, but it's to be expected. They're just so new. But they did look confident and did a really good job. I thought I did really like the tug of war spot and the top rope moves uh, to Maya from all three evolution girls. And I actually thought Chi Chi did a really good job at the end with her flash roll ups. They looked really, really smooth.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of improvement. Like it's it's slow, but it's happening. Um, Zones is far and away the most developed of the three girls. And um, yeah, I think overall, and I wrote this down, is that um, I look forward to seeing them on future shows here and there and seeing how they develop. But I don't know that I really need to see them on every single tour, um, which is, you know, it's, it's fine. They're their own company, their separate thing. I kind of want to sort of take a break and then see them develop a little bit more down the road. Um, rather than than watching them all the time, and and this makes sense, like because it's an evolution show and it's sort of Suwama's show, as it were. Um, so having them here was was fun, and it was nice. And um, my my Miyazaki is just really fun. I didn't I don't love the chain spots. I did like the tug of war spot. I, I thought that was really fun. But when she throws the chain down. It just doesn't really have impact for me. I don't know if it's because it was a hard cam show, so you don't really get like wonky camera stuff to make it look more impactful, but I don't know. Otherwise, Ozaki's really fun. Her antics are really fun. She just has this really, um, I always compare her in my head to Ogawa in a lot of ways, just in that like commander way that she, you know, does these antics. She's like just such a general and it's so cool. Um, Kakaru is someone I've always been interested in, but haven't seen any of her work. So it was really cool. The crowd was going nuts for her. Um, and then Maya's mic segment at the end was just really cool. She's, she has such an undeniable charisma. So it was really cool to see the Ozaki goon girls. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not super in love with like the evolution girls every single show i just sort of want to check in with them every once in a while i guess that's just sort of what i'm here for
0: <laughs> so let's move on to another match. then i want to talk about suji ishikawa versus Yumanzai. this is uh their first match after missing about a month so it's good to have them back there was a lot more submission and groundwork than i thought there would be but saying that there was also an insane amount of elbows and forearms thrown around that really sound like it hurts. I don't have any complaints. I thought it was a good entry into the Suji Anzai trilogy. Anzai still has to get a win over Suji, but he's getting closer and closer. So I think that's a little cool story they have going.
2: This match was fun. Um, it was It was more just a sweet little comeback match, I guess is how I felt in the end, because 10 minutes was just kind of too short to really call it an entry in their story. Um, we did have ultimately it was a draw, so you you do have that feeling of Anzai getting closer and closer. But with the with the ten minute time limit, I'm not sure I really necessarily viewed it that way. I just sort of saw it as a sweet comeback exhibition match um, after they both had come from injury. You have Shuji mostly working that arm that uh, Anzai had injured. And so it was, it was just sort of felt like that. Their elbow exchange was really good. Um, Anzai countering with the jumping knee was really good. But yeah, um, I I guess I just kind of hoped that they would have given them more time and given them a longer match to really, you know, call this a step forward, but it wasn't bad. It was, it was fun.
1: Yeah, like it had some great moments like Rachel just highlighted in the elbow exchange and then with uh, Anzai's jumping knee, but um, I did not think that three or even two uh surpassed how good their first match was um the first match to me was was utterly brilliant and and how they they set that one up and and how it was executed two was was good but it, it didn't come to the level of of what one was and this one as well didn't i think even come to the level of what two was so it, you know they're all good matches but it's just that one was really that good so yeah a fine match there's some some really good moments there but yeah, just, just not nearly as good as that one back from like December, 2022. Yeah, I think that's well said.
2: Um, one match I want to talk about was Naraki Doi and Hokuto Amori versus Ryo Inoue and Fuminori Abe. Mostly because I find this kind of fascinating that instead of doing, and, and then we do get some preview matches, but instead of getting like preview matches against their opponents, we get the two challengers for the two main singles belts against each other. <laughs> Which was a just a really interesting choice. And then um, I thought this match also sort of um demonstrated what I was talking about and what what we were talking about of how Doi does Lindemann better than Lindemann uh, because you you got so much of him really putting over in a way and and getting the crowd behind him by being just a conniving heel. And it just really kind of made me wish Doi still had the belt, which is, Terrible to say, because I kept waiting for Doi to lose it to an all Japan wrestler. So that's that's really just demonstrates a lot of um, how I felt and still feel about the Lindemann reign. But yeah, I, I thought it was a really good match in all. It was, it was just, like I said, mostly interesting to watch the two challengers for the main belts go up against each other in sort of a showcase. And they really did do a good job showcasing them. I thought Hokuto looked really good. Um, him and Abe was a really exciting concept to me because it goes back to sort of that subplot of like the bachi bachi journey that Hokuto is on to becoming you know more and more hard hitting so of course you want to put him against Fuminori Abe it was it was nice in some ways we didn't get a whole lot of them but it was still an exciting concept to me although I I did really love that punch uh from Abe to Doi it was just a very characterful moment and I thought that was fun so I don't know what do you guys think of this match
0: um I really like this match I do really like all four I'm a huge fan of Doi and Abe. I just think they're so much fun. Inoue's end stretch was really good. Yeah, I thought it was a bit unfair he got to take the pin, especially because he's challenging later in the month. Yeah, it was just a fun match.
1: Yeah, I mean, similar to you, Rachel, I just think that the, the upcoming challengers did a really great job against each other. I thought that was some of the more compelling parts of the match, but... I'm such a big fan of Doi and Abe in general. Like they just, this was a a really good match to watch because Abe and Doi are, are such good wrestlers and such good characters as well. So it was just really cool um, to have them in this match as well. I think I remember Des Wari tweeting about the Hellbow in this as well. And I think I remember echoing his sentiments in that it's a good signature piece for Hokuto, but he, I think, pulled back on it in this match in a way that he didn't in the match previously on the show previously. And I think for him, it's going to be about finding that balance. Right. But I think that it is a good move for him. Um, He could use a signature and something that helps him stand out, especially with kind of where he is as he continues to figure out like his sort of place in the heavyweight division. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but this was a really, really fun match on the card. I did want to highlight too, this was actually a, a card of a pretty decent matches all in all. Um, if not for the quality of the of the wrestling, but just for little interesting things to kind of talk about and mull over. But I did want to highlight uh, Yuma Yagi and Kendo Miyahara versus Yuji Nagata and Ryuki Honda, if anything, for Yuma's first walkout with all of his belts, um, which was tremendous, like really magical stuff. Um, I loved Kendo taking Yuma's photo. He actually took the Shoe Pro photographer's camera away from them to take... Yuma's photo with all of the belts which is really interesting but this just gave me some general thoughts about like what this means for Kento and Yuma they're in a very interesting place right now in their relationship where we're seeing Kento be so completely supportive and like we can mention more moments of that I think as we get into the end of the month but very happy for Yuma uh getting down on one knee to take his photo with all of his belts on him but we are not doing kento and yuma next stream this doesn't mean that we're doing next stream kento and yuma at all um so what so what is this is, is is kento genuinely happy for yuma or is he treating Yuma's success as if he created him in his own image so again piggybacking off of some of our thoughts from um one night dream rachel and i just recorded an episode on that is it very much like how nakajima treats kento is that how kento is going to wind up treating yuma is that all of Yuma's successes are his uh, until Yuma gets that big win over Kento, so something to think about. I think as we progress, I don't think we're going to know the answer to that until Kento turns around and challenges Yuma for the triple crown. But a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts here. To be fair, this was um, this was kind of like a weird match, but Honda and Yuma. This is where I started to think like what we could have in a challenge from Honda um, coming up against Yuma. It could be the most like tremendous match. They're always so so good um, against each other. And like, these guys were, were great against each other. Ken- uh, Kendo was incredible against um, Honda. And there was just so much stuff in here like there was like just like some crazy like lariat stuff in here with like um i think it was yuma and honda that was just insane it made like the crowd pop like super big um but yeah this match actually i think really rocked so i'm waiting on um a yuma and honda singles match to be sure but also an answer to the question around kento and yuma and what exactly is going on in kento's head um when it comes to him yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned it because that was like I, in
2: my notes, I was like, I want to ask you guys about what you thought of that moment and like what you guys make of this dynamic of not next stream, which Alicia, can you tell us what you've been calling it?
1: No dream. No dream.
2: <laughs> I, I love it. I really do. Um, but yeah, like it's so fascinating and I love this little moment and it this was like entirely almost natural when he goes to take the shoe pro um cameraman's camera and the like camera guy thinks that Kento's trying to distract him and turn all the attention on him. So he starts taking pictures of Kento and then Kento takes the camera, which it was off screen. We didn't see that, but um, I thought that was just a really interesting and cute moment where he was, you know, deliberately turning the attention to himself and then away from himself. So he could take pictures of Yuma. But when you brought up that moment or that question of whether this is genuine pride in his teammate and equal and rival or does he feel like yuma's successes are an echo of his own because he made yuma so like once you brought that up and then connected it to one night dream my head just exploded because i hadn't really thought of that before but that is a fascinating angle and you might be really onto something and we don't we won't know until we watched this develop. And when I watched this match, I was very much um, also kept thinking like how they could develop and, and their fun little character moments together in the ring. Like it just felt like we're slowly inching our way to a match between those two. And it just is getting more and more exciting. And I'll talk about that later in the month as well.
1: We remind people before we ask Jessie her thoughts. It was all fun and games with Kento and Jake, and Kento encouraging Jake and wanting, you know, Jake to be a star and such until Jake won the Triple Crown, and then there could no longer be two stars in all Japan. So I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think it's just a matter of when. Yeah, you give me a lot to think about.
0: (laughs) Off the top of my head, I just want to say no, like, no, they can't be like this, but... (laughs) The more i think about it the more i'm leaning towards like 50 50 like we have to see what happens when kento challenges and when he challenged like that's going to destroy me um but i will say i do love Keraman kento and this isn't the first time he's done it he's done it before taking Karaman's camera and taking photos of the Ayagi brothers i'm pretty sure this is when they were in next stream together mm-hmm. but um yeah so it's not the first time but i absolutely love this time like Yuma coming out, six belt Yuma, not even like just the triple crown, was just a really cool moment.
2: He's also really good at carrying all of his belts. Like he he had them in all when he was carrying them out at the end, he had them all hugged to his body. That was really good form as someone who cares immensely um, about how someone carries multiple belts after having to deal with Kenno dropping them constantly, especially the tag belts, which cannot afford to be dropped. Um, so Yuma, Yuma did a really good job making sure those didn't uh, fall around. So good good work, good on Yuma Aoyagi.
1: It's funny because, you know, I don't want to lean into the thought that Bob's been kind of waiting, tapping our our watches, so to speak, for Yuma to come, become champion because he's really so young. This is the first of of many reigns. And he has a long career ahead of him, but it's funny he finally wins and then he's been wearing the belts and it feels like he's been champion now for three years. He's only been champion for barely a month, but that's just like how he carries himself and carries the belts and just, you know, he he looks like... A champion he looks like the triple crown champion it, it really says a lot especially because you know we we talked about this on some podcast recently, I can't remember. Maybe it was last month's Talking Triple Crown, but uh, we talked about him being the fourth guy in Next stream, and he was not the one that was looked at as being uh, the one with a lot of promise. So to watch him walk out with, like Jesse said, he's got like six belts on. And he literally has too many belts on, if anything else. And he looks like the champion and he carries them so well. I mean, there is such a point of, of pride in that and it's a beautiful thing.
0: We now move on to the Tenryu project for a minute. At their show, Still Revolution Volume 4, Yuma Oyagi and Asuka Yagi defeated Hikaru Sato and Hideki Suzuki in 23 minutes to retain the UN Tag Team titles. As we said before, Suama and Dan Tamara are the next challenges and we'll get to that match very shortly. And before we get back to All Japan, we have to take one more detour to Noah this time and their One Night Dream show. On June 18th, Katsuhiko Nakajima announced backstage that he and Kento will have a match at One Night Dream. There is so much history between these two, so please, if you haven't already listened to kick amazing Diamond Ring episode and their latest Room at the Top, A One-Night Dream of You, please listen to it. Katsuhiko Nakajima defeated Kento Mihara in 34 minutes and 12 seconds. All I can say about this match is goosebumps. I have seen Kento come out um, to go to the ring. He's entrance like 100 times. I've seen him in huge triple crown matches. I've seen him in tiny six-term matches. But I've never felt goosebumps like this when Kento came out. It was just, it was just like completely mesmerized by this match. Like I absolutely loved it. Like, oh my gosh. It was just, like I don't have words. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, we we have... A couple of thoughts on this match and and like jesse said please go check out our review uh we talk about this match and the build up to it in depth it is a fantastic look at this match and and contains all of our thoughts too but uh trust me when i say that this match was a big fave of mine um it was a spreadsheet match if you will because i have a spreadsheet
1: yeah i have a spreadsheet
2: (laughs) sure so how many
1: stars are you giving it um.
2: Uh. I give it. Wait. What? What did Dave give it? Did gave, Dave gave it like five and a quarter or something stupid? I like, think that, so, right? Yeah. 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 So I gave it five and a half because I'm better than Dave Meltzer. Right. Um. Anyway, no, <laughs> Alicia. Do you have any residual thoughts on this match?
1: I think that you should definitely listen to our review of One Night Dream over on Kickout. It's long, but we covered the build from. February or so, on through July. There's a lot there. We had some great stuff translated by Rachel and also Kana, who does a lot of our translations as well. Um, So there's a lot there. And also we talk extensively about Masa and his... um, coming over to all japan this year and his role in the story too uh, which to me is is can't miss masa gets overlooked a lot in his role in the story but masa is a huge part of the story um between kento and katsuhiko as well um like jesse like i like the chills that i got watching um kento come out and then stand across the ring from katsuhiko it's um sort of unparalleled i mean we're almost like very spoiled this year because we got to see kento walk out in the dome and uh you know we've got to see him do some really exciting things this year. I think um, him walking out at All Together Again was also extraordinary because he was the most over man in the match, um, more over than Okada actually. But this was um, this was such a special thing, and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next between them all.
2: So that brings us to day three, and that was on the 16th at Shinkiba First Ring. Takao Amori defeated Koki Iwasaki in 8 minutes and 22 seconds. Ryo Inoue and Yuma Anzai defeated Toshizo and Kono in 10 minutes and 3 seconds. The debuting Aigale Blanc and Satoshi Kojima defeated Black Tsure and Yoshitatsu in 9 minutes and 50 seconds. Hikaru Sato and Hideki Suzuki defeated Ruki Honda and Kohei Sato in 10 minutes. Minoru Suzuki, Hokuto Amori, Naruki Doi, and Naoki Tanizaki defeated Kento Miyahara, Shuji Ishikawa, Rising Hayato, and Ren Ayabe in 13 minutes and 50 seconds. And then in the UN tag title match, Suwama and Dan Tamura defeated Yuma Aoyagi and Atsuki Aoyagi in 20 minutes and 31 seconds to become the new champions. The Aoyagi brothers fail in their second defense. So yeah, let's let's keep to it and start off with the title matches um which we only had one this time but that would be the UN tag title match. And uh yeah, this was actually one of my favorite matches of the month. I really enjoyed it. It was just a really good match. I liked I liked the storyline that they were sort of telling where Dan and Suwama weren't a well-oiled machine like the brothers were and they they just the Aoyagi brothers were just seamless, and it was it was just absolutely perfect. You had all these little moments. Like Dan and Suama not entirely on the same page and they would try to set up a move and then the Aoyagis would duck out of the way and they would end up hitting each other with the moves, which is such a simple spot, but it, it's really such a good character spot. And it also highlights how clever um, both Aoyagis are, but, you know, especially our, our good champion Yuma um, always has really good moments with that. And then, um, yeah, I thought this match was just really well done. We had some incredible moments with Otski and Dan, which they just work so well together. Like Alicia and I had been talking about this um, before recording this. They just work incredibly well together. And they sort of place that in with um, Yuma and Suwama just taking it to each other in between. And it, it was just a really well-paced match and then of course that uh last ride at the end was just absolutely utterly insane so it's just a i really really like this match and i'm excited to hear your thoughts on it as well
1: yeah to echo your sentiments dan and oski are just phenomenal together i mean to me they were like probably my favorite part of the match besides the finish dan destroyed oski with like this lariat and that looked fucking amazing like They are, they just have something in each other that balances each other out that is perfect, that is only going to get stronger and better as they go on over time. Like these two are just primed to be such great rivals. And I'm excited to see where that takes them. And I hope it begins to pay off for Dan as well um, as he gets stronger and better um, as a wrestler. And we start to see him, I think, maybe come into some titles and really, you know, go off on that path um like you like the last ride that suama got on yuma was absolutely fucking crazy that was an incredible last ride we're lucky that yuma is like he's like a bendy man i don't know how he like takes moves like that for being like not a little guy himself but i loved it it was fucking great and it made it obvious that in suama pinning yuma there they would use that to justify um things with the triple crown which i think was um totally fine i think that's like one of the people that we'd sort of earmarked at least when i was talking to rachel that like we want yuma to go up against suama we want to get through that challenge and we want yuma to come out the other side still being the triple crown champion so um that to me was totally fine so him getting the pin there not a problem at all and it looked fucking crazy so i was a big fan but yeah it just a really really good match um love that dan has this little title with suwama and they have that kind of going on for them i think it's kind of cool yeah good stuff
0: i love suwama and yuma going at it i love Dan and Aski going at it, I just didn't love this match. It didn't capture me like it captured both of you. I think maybe I need a rewatch. I did enjoy the wrestling, but I think just because the match before this captured me so much, I'm just like, oh, okay, one more match. But I'm happy. Suama and Dan are the champions. It's really cool to see them with a the belt. It would be cooler if it was all-age titles, but I can't complain about that. Poor Asuki started the month with two belts. Now he... You know, it's halfway through the months. He has no belts. Suama, Pinin Yuma, uh, I did sigh deeply for a bit because all I could think was uh, Suama, you never really want to bet against him for Triple Crown matches, but I think Suama is a hurdle Yuma needs to get over now that he's Triple Crown champion.
1: What
2: did you guys think about this moment happening before the Hokuto match? Do you feel like it sort of... And do you feel like it took sort of any suspense out of the Hokuto match? Because because Hokuto did come out and he sort of went to Suwama and was like, so um, when I win the Triple Crown, I'm going to call you out as a challenger um, to sort of. I guess, sort of make this booking make sense um, in a way. And they sort of tried to string it together. And I I actually enjoyed that. I thought it was sort of a decent way to do it. Um, Nobody really believed that Hokuto was going to win. So it didn't really bother me too much. But I was curious about what you guys sort of made of this sort of juggling of challengers, if you will.
1: And this goes back to what I was trying to say before about him. I think that playing to those moments is not... A core strength of his right now so that moment actually just felt kind of weird and I didn't really know what like usually I don't speak Japanese but usually I can tell what they're doing if I'm just like looking at them I can just figure out what's going on right whatever you watch enough matches with him like sometimes I don't really know what's going on because I don't think he plays well to those moments yet so that I think is where that fell flat for me. It didn't like really leave a lasting impression, which is why I think I messaged you, Rachel. And I was like, I don't understand what Hokuto came out for because it just, it didn't like make sense to me in the moment because I don't think he plays well to those moments yet. To me, like the whole, like, I don't think anyone had any sort of preconceived notions about what was going to happen between Yuma and Hokuto. I think we knew um, what that match was going to be like. I think it was more important for Hokuto to prove himself on a stage like that against Yuma and for also Yuma to look like the guy, right? To really show that he is the guy in front of Hokuto, in front of a crowd, which we'll talk about when we get into their match. I think that was what that match is kind of meant to be. So us knowing that Suwama would be the next challenger and that would likely be for Yuma, I don't think that takes away from it at all. That to me is really what we we need to be planning for. To me, that almost gave me like a little bit of relief because I want to get Suwama over sooner. Because I feel like if we get Suwama over sooner, then we can move on to the next person. And we have, because we have we have greater plans for Yuma going into the rest of the year. <laughs> I think if we, the, the sooner Suwama happens, it's a great story. He needs to be able to beat Suwama definitively. It should be a, a great, strong statement piece of a match. But then we can move on to other people. And I think if you get him over sooner, there's less of a chance. Like to Jesse's point, this spins off into like, oh, Suwama's going to take the, the triple crown now. <laughs> so that's uh that's that's my thoughts on that anyway
0: yeah I think you said everything perfectly I really have nothing to add
1: but we'll get to the match because I really don't think it's poor Hokuto in the end I just think that there are things that he does need to work on that moment in sending him out there i don't think like if i were backstage i wouldn't have let him go out i think you just let that kind of hang in the air have him do a backstage have him tweet something i think that plays out better than having him go out there in that moment those moments aren't his strength yet it's fine it's not your strength he'll learn he'll develop takes people years sometimes to learn how to do shit like that but i think that the match with him and Yuma actually goes pretty fucking well all things considered but we'll get into that um on that card Before we get into
2: it, let's go ahead and talk about the match that he was in. um, Minoru Suzuki, Hokuto, um, Doi, and Naoki Tanazaki with Kento Miyahara, Shuji Ishikawa, Ryzen Hayato, and Ren Ayabe. uh, Because I know, Jesse, you said you really liked this match.
0: Yeah, it was just so good. Like, non-stop action straight from the belt. Huge win for Hokuto Amore you know which leading up to his triple crown challenge of course he needs his wins he needs the momentum I'm guessing this match was supposed to highlight Amore like before I said before his triple crown challenge but I really liked and was impressed by Suzuki here yeah? I just thought he had his working boots on he looks so great I like the interactions with Ayabe and Suzuki since they have that taker connection I like these little connections between wrestlers but I just really enjoy this match like it's 14 minutes it's non-stop action it's it's definitely a must-watch if you have the time.
1: For me in this match, it was actually Ren Ayabe, who looked again just fantastic. I think whoever wins his contract is going to have a massive get on their hands, but it better be us. Like we we should be the ones winning that man's contract. Um, I thought this was a nice, you know, pre-match scramble overall. It's it's funny because it's not really a pre-match scramble for the triple crown it's for the belts at the end of the month because that's uh kento and yuma are going up against hokuto and suzuki at the end of the month for the world tag belts and so i loved hokuto and kento and their interactions they do a nice job together kento is desperate to pull what he knows is in hokuto out of him which i think is great for a man who said in January he's done bringing up the new generation, pretty much all he's done recently is continue to bring up the new generation, which is really interesting too. At any rate, I loved a lot of what happened in this match. I, again, I thought Renayabe was great. Hayato had a lot to add to this match, of course. And Hokuto getting the pin over Kendo looked and felt like a big deal he looked really 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 good doing that and kento sold like hell for him and like it made you sort of think like what the hell is gonna happen in the tag match like are kento and yuma gonna lose the tag bouts? like i had some conflicting thoughts about what might happen in that match uh once kento lost to katsuhiko i thought well maybe they're not going to take the belts off of Kento because if he loses to Katsuhiko and then loses the tag belts, that's going to be an interesting flavor for Kento at the end of July. Uh, So I thought perhaps they would still retain, but Hokuto looked very convincing doing that with Kento, right? Like you thought you could imagine for a second that they might be able to take the titles. And I also think that at this point with Suzuki, he is much better in these bigger, like, you know, what is it? Like eight man, six man type of scrambles, I think, um, than he is. I think in a, in the, the classic tags or maybe even going in one-on-one. I think he, he can hide more in these, these bigger group matches. So yeah, he did look pretty good in this too. So yeah, a lot to take away from this, this co-main actually, but Hokuto did look good here getting that win over Kento. Yeah. I
2: think that's, that's really well said um, all around is this match was just really fun. Um, Kento just did a really good job selling this as a uh, tag title preview match by having really good interactions with both Suzuki and uh, Hokuto and like you said it, it just made Hokuto look really really strong um they bullied Hayato a lot but Hayato's really good at getting bullied he's a really incredible underdog and um yeah you you also you had mentioned uh, Alicia that a fan on Twitter said that like the crowd was really extra loud for Kento um coming off of because this this was one day after one night dream and when I watched the match like a hundred percent they are so loud for Kento and it's really really lovely and um, there was also a massive pop for Suzuki which kind of surprised me because he's not exactly like a rare guest for all Japan but it was nice to see him get a warm reception and I sort of personally read that as you know newer fans coming to check out all japan so of course they're going to be excited for names that they know um so so it's just really exciting to me all around that um things are just alive and well in shinkaba first ring and you can't ask for more than that and this is just a very good match for shinkaba first ring like just a good atmosphere for it
0: i want to talk about ryu Inui and yumanza uh defeating and kono you, uh, Ryu Inoue got another big win. I'm happy for that. Like, he needs these big wins going into it. I do love the team of Inoue and Anzai. They have said before they'd like to go for the All Asia belts. I am like waiting for that day because I think we'll be waiting a long while for that. Um, but with the Saito is not there, you really can see how they have all the charisma of this voodoo murders or whatever's left of these voodoo murders. Like, you can see how just how much they're missed when they're not there. And I do have one point. I think people are really going to disagree with me, but the more I think about it, and the more I see Jesus, I just think of his mask as like a B grade horror villain's mask. Like I just, I don't like it anymore.
1: But sometimes B grade horror stuff is the best horror. That's no, <laughs> true. True. I, the thing is, is that's Alicia's
2: aesthetics. So.
1: It's my aesthetic, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, dear. No, that's fine. I, I understand, Jesse. But yeah, I think that you're completely right about the Saitos, though. And I know that there's some people listening, uh, Kampa and, and Lewis, who are going to be very excited as well. Um, But yeah, I think that the Saitos have shown um, and sort of grown into this very quietly. It's like almost like this very um, understated sort of progression that they've had over the past couple of months of they have so much charisma and we've been able to see that and just like when they've stepped out of all japan and they go over to glate and they've done stuff with those tag belts um but even um when they're just like removed i think when suwama was like removed from them is when we really started to see it more even within all japan because they really had to start doing things for themselves and they're doing a fantastic job and like i felt the loss of them on the rest of this tour and not having them. Um, There's also so much lovely fan art for the Saito brothers on Twitter. I think because specifically they had to leave and they had to leave under very unfortunate circumstances. So there are so many people um, on Twitter who are posting all of their lovely fan art of the two of them. And it's like, these two are really beloved and have found, um, have found their fans and like people who adore them. And it just makes me love the All Japan fan, All, All Japan fandom, so to speak even more because these two are just so completely beloved but yeah i think that their charisma is is very real and you're not getting that out of kono and toshizo but god bless anzai for trying to make those kono exchanges look really compelling because he gets close he gets close so good for him and rio getting that pop for pinning toshizo like this is not the most exciting or dynamic tag team for them, like to go up against, but that was such a deserved pop for Rio because, like, you can just like his intensity is so palpable. Like he, like every emotion is just like rolling on like the top of his skin. Like you could just see it at all times with him. So like it's just, it's so nice when you get those moments and the crowd reacted appropriately for him.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Uh, my notes were that Yuma Anzai tried his very best <laughs> with Kono. Uh, that was pretty much my only real note on that match. What did you guys think of the French luchador? He uh, debuted with Satoshi Kojima, um, Ego Blanc versus Black Mintsure and Yoshitatsu.
1: I'm confused by him so far. He's very unusual. and I And I just don't know. I don't know how he fits into all Japan as a whole yet. And I think we haven't seen enough of him. I think this was like maybe one of a few matches he had for the rest of the month, maybe like three matches he had for the rest of the month, two matches. Um, I don't know what to make of him yet. I really don't. I just, he's a very interesting choice for All Japan. I don't know if this is like in response to like Noah is, has a ton of luchadors, right? I don't know if this is like a response to that, that they went with this choice specifically. But I don't know. I'm I'm just not sure what to what to make of him yet.
0: I thought he did um, pretty well in his debut match. I think we need to see him mix it up with the juniors before we can really, you know, say, okay, this guy fits in or this guy doesn't like, it's not like Cyrus when he came over, he was over. Like the minute he stepped out of the, um, the back backstage. Uh, We still have to wait a bit to see how well he does. He is a good wrestler. I've heard really great things about him from his matches in Europe. I haven't seen them though. Unfortunately, I think it's really cool that had him team with Kojima like his first ever match in japan and he's teaming with a grand slam champion i think that's pretty cool for him i'm not sure how long he's staying i can't remember if they said he's doing a couple of tours but like i said i think we need to see him mix it up with the juniors before we can say yes or no for this guy
2: yeah i'm i'm with i'm with you guys i'm especially um with alicia here i just don't know what to make with it make of him um his double knees from the top rope was fun there wasn't a whole lot else that really gripped me, um, but it was, it was sweet to see him team with Kojima after the match. They were very sweet to each other. And and you could tell that this was just a huge honor for him and um, that it really meant a lot to him, which always endears me to anyone is that they're just really happy to be here and, and feel honored to be here there were some cute pictures of him training with uh, Kento and Yuma that also I'm like oh okay he's he's just really happy to be here and and that always endears me to anyone but uh after beyond that like ring work wise, not really sure uh how to feel yet but we'll see
1: I also wanted to mention on this card uh the Hideki Suzuki and Hikaru Sato versus Kohei Sato and Ryuki Honda match this was like a brief match it's only 10 minutes long but Honda and Hideki Suzuki, there's like this theme, honestly, of just wanting Honda to get more really fucking cool singles matches because Honda's a good fucking wrestler and deserves really fucking cool singles matches. But man, what I would do for like a proper program between him and Hideki Suzuki, they were the coolest part of that match. I could have had twice the length of that match for just more Honda and Hideki. I really loved them together. I don't know if other people were like as excited about them as I was, but I was so into that match for them. And they really have like that's like their first match ever together. They've never interacted before that match. So I uh will be also be waiting for the Honda Hideki program that I deserve.
2: You do deserve it. We deserve it. The people deserve it. No, the they looked fantastic. I also thought the Sato showdown um was really fun. They they did a good job pairing. Um everyone up in this this match I thought it was just a really fun like you said it was a short match but it was really fun it was really good it's really good to see um, Hideki over here so I would love to see more of that and I'd love to see uh, more of him and Hikaru Sato together as well because I thought they were just a really fun pair so sorry Dan but (laughs) they were a really fun pair so
0: now I go back to Noah and the Sunny Voyage tour On the 9th of July, Asuki showed up and challenged Hayata for the junior GHC belt. And on the 20th, they faced off for the title. Hayata defeated Asuki in 20 minutes and 13
2: seconds. What did we think of this match? It's pretty good, actually. I really wasn't looking forward to it um, because Hayata doesn't really excite me. Um, I thought it was interesting in general and actually... um, Kenno had some really good thoughts about this match and the lead up to it on um, his column. And it's mostly about how Noah juniors are really suffering because of how powerful Hayata is and how dominant champion he's been that they sort of need to bring in these outsiders now um, and that Otsuki is a really exciting challenger and that the fans really responded well to seeing him. So I think that Noah will probably be seeing more outsiders, but um, just to, to sort of liven things up in their junior division. So I thought that was sort of a decent or interesting parallel to what's sort of going on with the All Japan juniors right now, uh, weirdly enough. But the the problems are different because the problem sort of stems from Hayata being such a dominant champion and that's just sort of how it's, it's shaken out but as far as this match itself goes um I thought I thought it was good I thought Otsky did really well um I thought that Hayata was sort of looking out for Otsky. you can sort of tell there's there's like one spot where he comes off of a moonsault a little weird and Hayata sort of like grabs him to check on him um, before like turning it into a role. So you, you could see that they were working pretty well together. Um, yeah, this this match was actually better than I expected. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't like my favorite match of the month or anything, but it did pleasantly surprise me if, if anyone's just curious and wants to see like a good match of what Hayata can do um, when he's working with somebody. So yeah, I, I, I would recommend it. It's all right. <laughs>
1: The midway point of the month is where I struggled to finish watching anything because of my work and travel schedule. But uh, yeah, I didn't finish this match. I got like halfway through it and then cannot get back to it no matter how hard I try. So eventually I'll get there. I won't comment on that part of it. I guess I'll just say that I thought that because maybe he lost the, the world junior, maybe it was possible that he would do a really cool, interesting thing and pick up the GHC junior i thought that would have been really interesting didn't really have like a strong horse in that race but i thought like oh maybe maybe and then he didn't and that was a little bit disappointing but it was interesting um i think he left a really good impression on noah fans who don't necessarily always reach back and watch all japan uh so that's really good so that was like that one part of the month where i was like huh well maybe that's the connection here maybe he lost the world junior so quickly because he's going to become the ghc junior champion and We didn't necessarily see that, which is a little bit disappointing, but yeah.
0: It was really cool to see Asuki show up in NOAH. I'm not a huge Hayata fan, but I did like what I saw from him at All Together again. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't really have high expectations going to this match. I thought, okay, Haeta wins. He always wins when it comes to NOAH in title belts. But it was cool to see an outsider challenge for the belt. And it was cool that it was an All Japan outsider, which hopefully got more eyes on Asuki.
2: Yeah, I think there were. I think I, I think it's like what Alicia said. A lot of people are looking to uh, to Otsuki now, and and people were just really excited to see him challenge. Like even when he walked out, people were gasping and chanting his name. Like he's recognizable, and that's just really exciting and fun to see. And it's it's great to see that out of the All Japan Juniors and all the All Japan wrestlers in general. But it's um, been very noticeable this year with Atsuki and Rising Hayato. So it's just. It's great to see. It's it's really fun.
0: Now we move on to day four. It was on the 22nd at Shimani Kunobuki Messi Exhibition Hall. Yuma Anzai and Asuka Yagi went to a 15-minute draw. Toshi Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe defeated Ego Blanc and Hikaru Sato in 9 minutes and 20 seconds. Suama and Dan Tamra defeated Yujin Nagata and Ruki Honda in 12 minutes and 56 seconds. In the six-man tag team title match, Bakmento Ray Takeo Omura, and ATM Defeated Yoshitatsu, Almighty Inoue, and Lotha in 13 minutes and 33 seconds. Kenta Mihara, Rising Haito, and Ryu Inoue defeated Soma Watanabe, Al Linderman, and Satoshi Kojima in 15 minutes and 4 seconds. And in the main event was the Triple Crown title match. Yu Aoyagi defeated Hokuto Amore in 20 minutes and 4 seconds to retain.
2: So I was going to make a joke here of, oh, let's talk about the title matches. Let's talk about the big, exciting one with the six-man titles. But in truth, I actually kind of forgot that the six-man titles were on this card um, until Jesse read it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was for the titles. Um, and I, I really didn't have many notes for that match at all. So um, did you guys have any any pressing thoughts about the six-man titles and our Lord and Savior ATM?
0: someone who doesn't wrestle a lot ATM really goes out there and puts it all in the line so I will give him props for that but the six man titles are just being wasted it could really use it to boost younger stars and it's just been wasted
1: again this was the point in the month where I couldn't watch everything if I were to watch anything so I didn't watch the six man tag team title match I'm a huge fan of ATM if he's listening please keep that in mind that's all I really got. I don't think they're being used correctly, but we've kind of talked about that on other episodes. I think that we are wasting the All-Asia titles. We're wasting the six-man belts. They could be used for other purposes instead of, uh, I don't know, being given to the to the old men and Yoshitatsu to throw around. I don't know. That's all I really got.
2: Yeah. I couldn't tell you how this match differed from the last six-man title match. So there's that. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about the... Uh the triple crown match with uh, Yuma and Hokuto. What did you guys think? I know Alicia, actually, you uh, sort of started us off with uh, hinting at what your thoughts are on this match. So go ahead and uh, let it rip.
1: I think this match largely worked extremely well. Um, Hokuto's new red gear is great too. I think that he looks fantastic. This red is exceptional on him. I, I think it looks great. Um, And like I was saying before, and I think we've said it on other episodes, like Yuma and Hokuto are just this sort of understated special matchup in all Japan. Um, Overall, this match, I think, really delivered as Yuma's first defense. It was well led by Yuma, and this one played to both of their strengths. Um, A super clean, um showing for Hokuto as a heavyweight and we've really been unsure of how um he was going to start showing up as a heavyweight we've had I think some kind of starts and stops since that official move to heavyweight and that has left us all a bit unsure about really what his story was going to be and what he was going to wind up doing. I think there's more than this match you can use to show why all Japan has moved him to being a heavyweight, but you can really see that he's starting to understand his role as a heavyweight through this match. Like you really got to see, I think some of those like real, like, shots of brilliance from him of like of why this is the right move why he needs to be doing this and it really came through in this match with Yuma and Yuma being the lead on this um I think he's really only going to get better and and Yuma just looked so impressive and every bit the triple crown champion and and really giving Hokuto someone to play off of like there were some parts where Yuma just like really looked like um I don't want to say like arrogant but like just like he was sort of cocky and like how he was sort of like you know getting into um Hokuto's face and like kind of making it like Hokuto come back at him and um that's really cool to get from Yuma right who doesn't always take on that persona but when you do see it it's usually pretty meaningful and I think we're probably going to see it a lot as he navigates you know being the triple crown champion and what does that mean to Yuma right so I loved him using that here with Hokuto I think it worked really well and again I, I think that the most important thing about this match Knowing that we were probably working to other bigger statement pieces that needed to come together, like against Suwama, you know, using his pin on Yuma in the UN tag title match to challenge um, Yuma, obviously. Um, I think the point of this match was to, again, give Hokuto a platform to show people this is why I moved to heavyweight. This is why I should be a heavyweight. I can handle this. I am going to be able to navigate this. But then also making Yuma look like someone who can lead people through a match in the way that we are very comfortable watching Kento lead people through a match to great success, right? And I think they were able to do that here um, largely very well. Is this going to be one of the more exciting matches from Yuma's reign? Probably not but it was still an extremely solid match that played to both of their strengths. Crowd seemed quite happy with it. I think it was a win for both of them in that way. I do
0: have one negative thing before I get into the match is that there was no commentary. And I feel like for a triple crown match, there should be commentary. It did feel like something missing to me, but um, that's just the one bad I have about it. I'll get to the good. I do like Amore's new ring gear. I do have a soft spot for red and black gear. He did look a lot more confident than Yuma did when he had his first Triple Crown challenge. I really did enjoy this match. I was a bit skeptical because I'm like, okay, Hokuto Omori is the first challenger. Like, how's it going to go? But it was really good. I like that All Japan took a chance on a first Triple Crown challenger and a first Triple Crown champion and put it in the main event. It was in front of a crowd of 900 plus people and they really gave it their all. I think it is a big step for Omori who has been, like we've been saying, he's been kind of lost in the shuffle this is nowhere near his last triple crown challenge. It was a good first challenge. And I did like the visual of Amore walking to the back like he's defeated and just walking past him, Suwama. He's like an eight-time champion. It's like night and day for you miss challenge. And it's really like a level one challenger to a boss level challenger.
2: Yeah, I love that camera shot of uh, Suwama walking past Hokuto to go make his challenge that was just a really cool like it sort of felt very anime like I don't know if it was like sort of an intentional shot but it just looked really cool Um, and I really enjoyed it yeah I I echo all of your sentiments I thought this match was uh, good I thought it was a solid match and I liked what Alicia was saying about this sort of establishing uh, who Hokuto is in the heavyweight division and who he could become as he comes more and more into this role and um, I'm very excited to see it I still stand by my thoughts that maybe this was just a little early I would have liked to see him simmer more in this role and then erupt but um as Alicia sort of has beautifully illustrated in this episode is that he's not quite ready to sort of like pivot and, and create that character yet. So matches like this help him, you know, make that character and put that together. And, and with that framing that Alicia gave me, I'm, I'm sort of starting to see that now. And um, as I'm looking over my notes, that's sort of what my notes kind of say. I just didn't quite have the uh, that framing for it, um, is that he's getting there. And um, it's, it's really cool to sort of see how this match can um, be looked at in the future and sort of see like those footsteps of of how they created the character that he will become so it, it was exciting and it's just good I thought his strikes looked fantastic so yeah I thought that was great and then it was great to see Yuma as this confident cool champion he just felt like a champion um, which you guys have also been saying um, he feels like he's been champion for three years um, and this match really really showed that off so I really love that
0: so let's move on to the match that was before this which was Kento, Hayato, and Inoue defeated On Linderman Lindemann, and Kojima. I really liked Inoue in this. He was just so aggressive. And I liked that he got his own entrance and didn't come out with Kento and Hayato. They made a big deal out of him. I thought it was cool. It was such a fun match. It was really good at getting um, Inoue across as like you know a legit challenger, even though like he's just done like a year and a half. His career is still so young. I really did enjoy him in this. They really made him seem, yeah, really aggressive.
1: I thought this was a pretty solid six-man slash pre-match, but we've seen better six-mans. The bar to clear to being a good six-man around here is pretty fucking high. This one doesn't quite clear it. But I want to point out to Jesse sort of bringing this up, I want to point out a few things I really like about Kendo that he's been doing recently um, when it comes to InUA and a few others. He does this thing now um and again this is a man who has said he doesn't want to bring up the new generation anymore but he's been doing this thing in now trains at uh carpe diem which is a jiu jitsu team in uh they have a couple different locations but i think one of the primary ones is right in tokyo he's been training there now in UA. he's starting to do his like you know whole jiu jitsu journey which is really cool but he has been posting like videos of himself like training He also does, I think, some, like, stand-up training somewhere else, Uh, but he'll take the videos and the photos and such, and he puts them in his stories, his kendo, and he tags, like, anyway really big, so that even if, like, you don't click through the video or the photo, you can see that, like, who he tagged, like, that's who is in the picture, which is really cute. It's, like, his new way of, like, promoting some of these guys in, like, the most obvious way. He just did it today with uh, Hayato and Anzai, who went to some sort of festival together, Uh, It wasn't even about wrestling, but he still did that with their photos from the festival, which is really funny and really cute. Um, But he cares a lot. He cares a lot about Inoue. And Kento did this like the entire way through this build to Inoue and Lindemann likes like just kind of like highlighting these things that Inoue is doing, um, not just for the Lindemann fight, just on his own, like all the training that Inoue is doing uh, on his own, the jiu-jitsu and all the stand up and such. Um, which I think is really sweet. Anyway, um, was super aggressive to Jesse's point to the point where Kento tries to pull him back by like putting his hand, I think, on like the back of um, Ryo's neck and Ryo like shrugs him off entirely. Like he's not even paying attention to Kento anymore, which I thought was great um, because I think what Lindemann wanted to like walk against the wall or whatever the hell he was doing. Really interesting choices from Lindemann. But yeah, I thought that the weirdest thing was Kojima... Um... <laughs> Doing the pec flexing and then like <laughs> Lindemann trying to do the same. That looked so weird. That was really weird. But then also what was I thought was really funny was Kojima doing the most gentle machine gun chops ever with Hayato. That was really funny and I think really intentional, but I don't understand necessarily why. So yeah, that's all I got. Just a, a, a mix of thoughts there that aren't necessarily like the most, I think, fascinating, but all these little, again, just weird little details of everybody. <laughs> from throughout the month i just love that kento now promotes like these the the younger guys by sticking them um in his stories with like their instagram tags just like really big across the, the photos and the videos it's really funny to me
2: i think it's fascinating um and it and they are really good match details i think that personally i think kojima did those really really gentle chops on hayato to prove our argument that Go Shiazaki's machine gun chops are better. Um, I'm sorry, Lewis, if you're listening, I know you're listening. Um, we won. I don't know if that was so, Lewis. Was that Des? Was it? it was Des. It, was it Des? I don't yeah. know, but we won. <laughs> <laughs> My point is is that I'm right. Yes. No, um, uh, yeah, the, this match was okay. It was fun. Um, I did love Rue's attitude. Um, during this match, he just looked so tough and no nonsense. The part where he shrugged off Kento was so cool. Um, and then you have El Lindemann. This is when he sort of gets into that really like disrespecting the belt kind of thing, which leads to something I want to talk about. And that's the backstages. I just watched them today and I talked to you about this, Alicia. Um, but it took me really off guard is that Hayato attacks El Lindemann and announces that he wants to challenge for the junior belt. And then says that he's going to be rooting for L. Lindemann to win against Rio Inouye. So he can be the one to get revenge for L. Lindemann treating the belt so poorly. So again, we sort of have this broadcasting of the next challenger before the belt has even been defended. um, Sort of going back to the Suwama conversation that I had. So um, yeah, that, that was just really interesting to me. And it does lead to a, um, a match that ends up getting set up the next day on day five. So yeah, that, that was something that I wanted to throw out there.
0: What did we think of the draw between Yuma Anzai and Asuki Oyagi? I'm curious to get your thoughts about it.
2: I didn't expect it to be a grappling match. Um, that was very interesting choice as it went on. Um, I think by the second time they locked up, I was like, oh, this is a draw. Um, it just felt like it was going to be a draw. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I think the crowd sort of also kind of felt it like, oh, OK. And it makes sense. You know, you want to you want to keep building up Otsky. He's he's an ace. And um, obviously Yuma is going to be the ace someday. Uh, So you want to keep Anzai really strong too. He's getting ready to go into Noah's N1. So um, it made sense as to why it was a draw. I thought it was cool though, that you sort of have this, you know, still less than a year in rookie versus a junior, and you don't really know who's going to win. And you think, yeah, okay, this is this is probably going to be a draw. So I thought that was just cool and speaks to what All Japan is doing with its youth. Um, so that that was really neat. Um, but yeah, I think my main takeaway was I did not expect this to be a grappling match.
1: I thought it was solid. And like, Rachel, I, I did not expect this to go into the level of grappling that it did, at least from Opsky, I think in that way, it was really cool to see whether or not, you know, draw or draw side, I don't really necessarily care about that. But I, I think it does, like Rachel said, speak to sort of the way that All Japan is willing to sort of take risks with the booking, throw these matches together, the way they think that they are probably like testing some things here between each other. I think that's really cool to see. I can't really think of the last time. I think Noah felt like that for a long time, more so. Uh, they've gotten away from that. They feel like something else entirely now. I think it's cool to still see a lot of that in all Japan where we can see these really interesting matchups between again, like heavyweights juniors. They're going to try these different styles against each other. Does it work? Does it not work? I don't know. I don't know if this necessarily worked as a whole, but it was cool that they did it. I'm really into them having done it at all.
0: Yeah. I was surprised just like you two, like, like this is a grappling submission style match. Like ASCII really does that. I'm kind of struggling to think like, When's the last time he did it? And like that much grappling in a match. I'll always love a last minute roll-up section where they're trying to get it pinned so much and then now it's like, just yelling how much time they have left. That's really cool. But yeah, it was a cool little draw, a strange match, but it was cool.
1: I don't necessarily have a ton of notes on it other than like just talking about like how great I think Honda is. But we did see... Ryuki Honda and Yuji Nagata teaming on this card. I think this becomes more important on, frankly, the final card of the month, but I just want to highlight that we did see the Honda-Nagata team that's sort of been threatened since, uh, I don't know, Honda reached out to Nagata and said, I want to team with you. Uh, so yeah, I think we're, we're still in that weird space of, uh, I don't know, Gunier of Anarchy is sort of hanging in the balance and we don't really know what's happening Obviously, Ashino is still out, and we'll provide an update on that a little bit later on. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Not not a ton of th- thoughts on that match uh, necessarily, but just want to keep everyone aware <laughs> that we had Nagata and Honda uh, teaming on this one. It's so
2: foreboding the way that you said it, and I think that's pretty accurate. I think that's, that's exactly what it needs to be, is that you need to be aware of it. My only note on this match... Um, is that Anzai's reactions on the apron watching this match were really, really good. Um, it's worth watching this match and just watching Anzai's face because he does some really, really great face journeys um, in this match. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling, we'll talk about it at the end of the month, but I'm just not feeling the Nagata Honda um, tag team. But I feel, I like Honda. Honda's doing amazing work. Um, but yeah, that's that's really my only thought on this match.
0: It's a strange tag team, Nagata and Honda. I think because Nagata's lost the Triple Crown, Honda's lost all of uh, GOA. It's like, okay, put them together. Yeah, have nothing else going on, put them together. But it's strange. That's all I have to say for it. Until we see more, it's strange.
1: All right, so let's move on to the final show of the month. Day five was on the 23rd at Edion Arena Osaka. We had Atsuki Aoyagi and Soma Watanabe. They defeated Agel Blanc and Tatsuya Matsufusa in 9 minutes and 15 seconds. Then we had the bodyguard and Izanagi. They defeated Takao Amori and Black Menso Rei in 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Suwama defeated Yuma Anzai in 11 minutes and 22 seconds. Yuji Nagata and Ryuki Honda defeated Shujin Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe in 12 minutes and 34 seconds. We had an all Asia tag team title match, which was a barbed wire barricade mat Megaton current blast death match. That was Yoshitatsu and Atsushi Onida. They defeated Dan Tamara and Hikaru Sato in 11 minutes and 17 seconds. Our co main was the junior heavyweight title match. L. Lindemann defeated Ryo Inoue in 12 minutes and 19 seconds. And then in our final match, the world tag team title match, Kendo Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi defeated Hokuto Amori and Minoru Suzuki in 25 minutes and 43 seconds. So,
2: Alicia, you always seem to have to read those All-Asia tag team title match titles uh because you did last month too and you did a beautiful job once again uh did you guys have any thoughts on this match i think we're all really tired of the all asia titles as they're being used right now
1: you keep teeing me up to talk about matches i had to skip um (laughs) i didn't watch it but i'll tell you that i'm tired of the gimmick has now worn itself thin and I don't know how much longer we need to keep doing this. I don't know what I don't know what we're gaining out of doing this, continuing to do this with um with Onida and Yoshitatsu. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. They just booked another one, which now has um, a bunch of Joshi wrestlers in it. It's so tiring. Like I don't know what we're I don't know what we're gaining from it. I don't know who's like obsessed with these. I don't know. They're they're sort of harmless if you remove the I think the All Asia tags from them but the all asia tags are clearly like for atsushi onida's use right now but like beyond the obvious why like is this really bringing in enough revenue for all japan to justify using the belts this way and then also doing these like gimmick matches that are funny when you see them every so often but they're becoming less and less funny because Onida is not in great shape and like it just looks kind of scary when he's doing things in the ring and then you have the explosions going off and Yoshitatsu is not adding anything to them either frankly for these things to be like worth doing so yeah I don't know it wasn't it was not going to be something I, I chose to um to watch on such limited time at the end of this month this month I'll tell you that much so yeah that's my thoughts on that.
0: It makes sense not to watch it. The show was good up until this match. It took forever to set up. This one just went on and on and on. The only positive I have is Dan and Sato in their matching MMA karate outfits. I thought that was really cute. But for me, Anita and his matches have reached uh, voodoo murders territory, which is I'm sick of them and they need to go away. The only good one was the first one with Nasawa. Since then, it's just gone downhill. For so all Asia tag belts deserve better we deserve better once in a while is okay but like once a month I'm just sick of it but unfortunately the crowd seems to absolutely love these matches they go wild for it it's probably a bad case for us but they probably will continue I'm
1: sure it's a different thing live than it is us watching it Mm -hmm. at home
0: true true it was so smoky after this the whole there was like a haze over it <laughs> they need to like open the windows open the doors or something keep these shows to f um fmw keep them off all Japan. i don't care if the bells get swapped over on the fmw show i'm just i don't want to watch these anymore
2: i do enjoy seeing everybody's like death match costumes like what they wear i i enjoyed seeing uh sato and dan in their their little karate their get up they're um but gees, yeah that's guys they're, they're in yeah, their geese I, I pronounce it wrong every <laughs> single time so i was trying to get around it no they're in their geese my gosh okay they were in their geese i always say g
1: and then she always makes fun of me so <laughs> i don't make fun of you i just tell you it's a gi. <laughs> okay fine
2: anyway they looked great in their karate geese um and yeah so that's pretty much what it is for me is that it's a deathmatch fashion show and it just sort of ends there so i like looking at the fan photography that's my enjoyment of these explosion deathmatches. moving on to another title match that i think had some differing opinions on was ellenman versus rue in a way what did you guys think of this match because i'm i'm very curious i think some people liked it more than i did because
1: I was interested in how uh I don't want to say divisive. I don't think it was like that, but there definitely were people who loved it and I was like, wow, that's not how I feel about this. But I am kind of, I guess I'm kind of torn about it because it wasn't a bad match by any means. Was not a bad match by any means. I was just expecting anyway to get a lot more offense in than he actually did. He he's as new as Anzai, and like I said was saying before, he can get treated with that same sort of super rookie shine, right? But that's not how he got shown off in this match. He really got sort of placed in a situation where Lindemann was the, the absolute vet- veteran, right. And anyway, is just this rookie who cannot overcome him at all. But it was weird because he looked so good in the pre-match. And because we know what anyway, can do on his anyway, like, takes a lot of pins still, but we know what anyway, can look like on his own that, it didn't necessarily make any sense to me that he that he couldn't get in anything at all like any shine he got in this match was very brief before Lindemann took control again and so I don't know I I just I didn't love the way this was set up I don't think it really showed off uh Inoue to his his full strengths right now uh I would have preferred Lindemann to have been a little more generous with him in this I think it could have just been built differently I I did not expect Inoue to win by any means, I have other plans for who I want to win. But I wanted Inoue to feel the way that we know that Anzai looked and felt coming off of the match with Nagata. I thought that there should have been a parallel there. And there really was not a parallel there. That's not how Lindemann set Inoue up. And I don't know why that choice would have been made or or where that breakdown would have been. But I really was looking for Inoue to walk away looking like a star in defeat. I don't know that that happened here. I didn't feel that way.
2: Yeah, that's that's it. That's exactly how I felt. I think uh you and I are aligned on that match. I wasn't actually sure um because we didn't really talk about this match. But um I wasn't sure if you'd be on the side of like, "Oh, I absolutely loved it" or um you you felt similarly to me because, you know, on paper It is something that we really like. And that's a a veteran beating the crap out of a a younger wrestler. But you're right. The build to this match was Root in a way looking cool and tough and badass. And then that's just not what happened. He didn't really get much in. And it just wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I expected. I understand it on paper. um, And I understand why people love this match. Because it does work on that sort of level of, you know, you know, Ru in anyway, a has a really, really long road ahead of us and he's going to do great things. And this sort of sets him up for a, a big, long arc of, you know, climbing to the top, but that's just not what I felt like I was being advertised all month. And then I get this and it feels weird. I, L. Lindemann just felt weird. I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me.
0: Alinaman out wrestled anyway, just like full stop. But it did remind me of Usky and his first challenge where Koji Ilmoto just out wrestled So maybe they're going the Usky route, but anyway, we'll get there one day. There's no doubt in my mind. He's constantly evolving, he's adding new moves, he's getting better and better. He has so much promise, and the small window we saw in this match <clears throat> is promising. It's really great. Uski
2: did challenge. In the end, he came out. That was a bit strange. Yes. So what happened was Otsuki does come out to challenge, but Hayato claimed dibs basically the day before. Um, So now you have this sort of um, tension where Otsuki wants, you know, to challenge and Hayato already said he would. So um, El Lindemann is like, why don't you two go face each other and see who's going to no. face me? So
1: <laughs> that's Oski should have yes. Oski should have minded his own business. yeah and like and that and this makes. I'm sorry, I'm getting so mad because every time I no, think about right. this now, no, I'm gonna get right. I'm gonna get really mad because the way and the I don't know what happened with this because this to me is like a bigger oversight than some of the other little weird choices they made this month, but. Why on earth would Atsuki get back in the mix for the title again? This only works if you use the number one contenders match to set Atsuki and Hayato up to actually have tension and to actually be rivals instead of like cute guys hanging out at the bar making TikToks together. We can't do that right now. You have to set them up to have actual tension together because why on earth if Atsuki knows that Hayato already said, I'm challenging, after Rio why would you then have ASCI run out and say oh no I'm, I'm coming out too even though I just lost the belt to you that makes no sense unless you're setting up to have tension between them but they had already had the perfect moment for that tension before and then they chose just not to capitalize on it so that's the part that really frustrated me in trying to because it really confused me I was I was really behind on watching the shows but I knew that they were going to have a number one contenders match. So when only Atsuki came out at the end of this match, but there was no Hayato, I was like, what the hell? Where? How did Hayato even enter this conversation? So when you ex- explained it, Rachel, because you figured out the issues with like Hayato and like the backstage stuff, I was like, oh my God, they've done this completely stupid. Like this doesn't make any sense to me. And Atsuki never should have come out to challenge. Like they could have just let Hayato face El Lindemann, which is really what I want because I want Hayato to come and take it off El Lindemann, Hayato should bring it back. And that's how you also achieve the right amount of tension between Atsuki and Hayato. But now we're going to do it, hopefully through some convoluted way that doesn't make any sense. Because why would Atsuki have the right to jump back into the title mix? He has no right to challenge right now. Literally none. He has no justification for it. It makes me so irritated. And I love Atsuki and I'm getting mad at him. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's, that was my note too, was mind your own business. Uh <laughs> Hiato called Dibs, get, get yeah. out of here, uh, Yeah, I could have been more okay with it if Hayato came out and they had like a big weird stare down and it was all tense and cool. And, and Elenderman was like, ladies, ladies, there's enough to go around, fight it out for yourself. Like if we had something fun like that, cool, maybe, but it's just, it, Everything you said was exactly how I felt. So thank you for uh, thank you for that. That was very validating because that's exactly how I feel about this. I don't know why we're just not doing Hayato right away. So I don't know.
0: Let's move on to the last title match of the month and that's the World Tag Team Titles. Kanto and Yuma defeated Amore and Suzuki. And I want to say props to Yuma because this is his fifth title match this month. And I do love when he wears uh, the belts like over his shoulders and zips up his vest because it makes him look like his giant pecs and it's just so funny I don't think we've ever seen a bad Kento and Yuma tag defense they're just so good together they just work so well but this month has really been Omori's month I feel he's had two title shots this month like really big stepping up for him he did great in this match I thought he looked amazing especially against Kento it was just really fun good wrestling to end the month with i have no complaints about this match i think it's worth the watch
1: this match was fun but this never was a great match for me at any point during it i was a little bit disappointed um which is tough for me because again like i think so much of the appeal of modern day all japan and being well not even modern day all japan just kind of historical as well but just the way that we are so used to great tag matches. We don't hurt for great tag matches here, but I feel like this just wasn't wasn't the match for that. Um, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, but I just haven't been in love with like a Suzuki match in a while. I think this one continues that trend. I don't think that he was particularly like he didn't do that much for this match. I think that Hokuto was rather good though. So, um, there is that at the very at the very, uh at the very least. This did have some nice moments and the crowd was into it, which is always what you want. Uh, But for me, I'm definitely looking forward to other opponents for uh, Kento and Yuma. Um, Other, other opponents looking far into the future (laughs) for other opponents for Kento and and Yuma. Um, So, yeah, this is I was disappointed. I I thought this was going to be a different type of match and it never really got there for me.
2: Yeah, frankly, I, I wish Shuji Shikawa and Ren Ayabe had won that match and challenged them instead at the end. But um as far as the match itself, yeah, it that's how I feel too. It was fun. Um, I thought the ending stretch was really good. Um, you like you said, Alicia, Suzuki's like slowing down. And um, I think it really worked because Kento is so good. And so good at working with people, and so good at selling, and he just really made um, Suzuki look like a threat, and he looked amazing, and it that was a really good ending stretch. Um, and then of course Hokuto looked great, and uh, Yuma was always fantastic. So yeah, it was a fun match. Like there wasn't a whole lot you could go wrong with here. Um, it's it was a fun watch, but it wasn't the best match of the month. Um, it was, it was just enjoyable, I think is where I would put that one down. But, uh, but yeah, let's, let's just address the elephant in the room. Um, Nagata and Honda are now challenging for the tag belts. They don't excite me. I think you said it best, Alicia, is that all Japan has great tag matches and great tag teams, um, tag teams that they can pull from, from other companies too. um, people we've seen around. I, I, There are some really great challengers that we could be seeing and I just am not feeling Nagata and Honda ever since you compared them to sort of runaway suplex I've been comparing them and they don't stack up it's just not the same at no point did Suwama and Ashino not make sense like even when I didn't really like runaway suplex because I thought that it wouldn't service Ashino which it ended up servicing him but it always made sense, and this just doesn't make sense. And I, I don't love it, and I want to see other defenses. So to that end, I am glad that um, that Kento and Yuma did retain, so that we can get an opportunity to see those defenses. But hopefully, they beat Nagata and Honda. So moving on to a different match,
0: Suwama defeated Yuma Anzai. I thought this was Suwama's parting gift to Anzai before he goes to the N1. He was cruel and he beat the absolute crap out of him. But at the same time, like Swama does, he made Anzai look amazing. Uh, His corner double chops and lariats were just brutal. And I'm going to miss Anzai in all Japan for the next month.
2: Yeah, it literally was a parting gift. That was a beautiful way to phrase it because that's that's really what it was, is that um, he was just really overwhelming and powerful and scary against Ansai. And Anzai just endured and survived uh very barely and then and then he lost. Um but at the end of the match, Sawama tells Ansai to get results in the end one and that Sawama says, you know, I will win the triple crown and then you'll get results in the end one and then you'll come and challenge me for the triple crown. So again, it's it's like you said, it's that cruelty and that kindness. It's it's that way that Sawama loves and the way that Sawama shows that love. So I thought that was really beautiful and wonderful. I don't want him to win the triple crown, um, but I do hope that Yuma Antai gets results in the end one. So half of that can come true, but only half. <laughs>
1: The way that you described that was really interesting, but very true. The the way that Suwama shows love, the cruelty and the kindness mixed in. He really does love Anzai, too. There was a really interesting Tospo article that was very much Suwama-flavored in how he was speaking. Because you get a bunch of kayfabe bullshit from him, and then you get these pockets of like what we actually know his relationship to Anzai like Anzai coming to help him with the little kids that he trains in wrestling um which Anzai is is helps him coach and he says that all the little kids just adore Anzai because he gets down on their level and speaks to them and like looks them in the eye and like they just like the kids go nuts for um Anzai um but you also get you know of course Suwama telling everybody about how like people just go crazy for Anzai when he's out and about in the world now and just like really teeing Anzai up to to look like a certain type of I think person as he's becoming you know the young ace of all Japan too so that's where you get into like a lot of the kayfabe and how Suama loves to fucking gossip about their love lives apparently <laughs> um he does it with Kento all the time so it's it's uh, what a fascinating man but I I I did really like this match. Um, like Jesse said, it's just a great little parting gift before he goes off to the N one. I think he's going to have a tremendous N one. I can't wait to see um, what he does. We are waiting with bated breath for uh, Saito to give us his thoughts on Anzai right now, actually. Um, hopefully it's coming out. I think actually it's Wagner's that came out tonight and not, Anzai so we, we continue to wait but we will see what he has to say about Anzai but that'll be tremendous and I really liked obviously seeing Anzai go up against um Evolution Suwama in general it's been you know we've we've really only seen the VDM Suwama like for a while now so that was really nice but yeah so this was a good effort on uh on Anzai's part for sure and excited for him to see or excited to see what he does in the end one
0: So now I move on to July moments and we start with a Jake Lee update. Jake has been doing some promo for Noah in Hokkaido as they are heading back there for the first time in four years. And if you don't know, Jake is from Hokkaido, so this will be a homecoming for him. He has been appearing on TV and radio. Also, he has been preparing for his N1. He has been successful when it comes to tournaments, winning both the Royal Road Tournament and Champion Carnival, and I'm very, very excited to see him in his first N1. We have an update with Ashino. He tweeted out the fracture is healing steadily, but it is taking slower to heal than first thought. It is still going to take him a while to get back to the ring, but he will be back in perfect condition in no time. And this was tweeted on the 25th, so it was very recent. Yuma Aoyagi has started his own YouTube channel called Oyagi FM. If you just search that on YouTube, it will come up. The channel also has its own Twitter page so you can follow along. Not much has posted now, but there is a video of Yuma trying to find the copy of Shu Pro with him on the cover, which is definitely worth a watch. So, what's coming up in August? August is tournament month as the Royal Road will begin, and Yuma Anzai will be competing in Noah's N1. But before we get to the Royal Road, we still have two more summer action series on the 6th and 12th. Notable matches are Kento Mihara versus Aito Yoshida, Yuma Aoyagi versus Swama for the Triple Crown. Asuka Oyagi versus Rising Hayato in a number one contenders match. Saki Akai's match has been announced. She will team up with Yukiko Sakaguchi and Hideki Okutani to take on ATM, Takao Omori and Black Mento Ray. This match is a double title match as the AJPW six-man titles and the KOD six-man tag team titles will both be on the line. And for the Royal Road, there hasn't been an announcement for participants yet, so we're still waiting on that.
1: And just to give you a sense of Yuma Anzai's N1 schedule, on August 6th, he goes up against Lance Anawai. On August 9th, he has Goshi August 10th, he has Manabu Soya. August 19th, he has Katsuhiko Nakajima. August 20th, he has Iho del Dr. Wagner Jr. August 26th, he has Daiki Inaba. And August 27th, he has Saxon Huxley.
0: So next up is Match Recommendations.
2: So I think I'm the only one with a match recommendation this month, but I'm really excited about mine. I just found it scrolling Twitter and I I just jumped on it immediately. And that is Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki. Versus the Holy Demon Army, so Akira Tao and Toshiaki Kawada on November 27th, 1997. That was a part of Real World Tag League in the Miyagi Prefectural Sports Center. And this match ruled. Um, the crowd was just super behind Jinsei and Hayabusa. They were going crazy for them. And Holy Demon Army were at their most cruel and asshole to play off of that. And Hayabusa just looked amazing against Kawada. I haven't really seen too much of him and I've never actually seen him team with Jinsei it's always been like against that against him so it was really just great to see um the late Hayabusa working with Jinsei they work beautifully together and Kawada looked incredible he tried to kick that man into next Tuesday um, So so was just a really fantastic example of uh a match with two clashing styles coming together with this really hot crowd so definitely check that match out
0: if you're interested in All Japan, you can watch it at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month. Every month is a mix of live and on-demand shows, with video on-demand shows being uploaded the next day or in some cases, the day of. Thank you for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72.
1: You can find me, Alicia, at Sharanui Kai with two eyes. You can also find me and Rachel at Kickout299, also on Twitter. You can find us at Instagram at the same handle. And if you have not already, um, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Um, We are blown away. I know we say this all the time, but we are so blown away by um, the amount of reviews that we have on Spotify right now. We have 45, which... May not seem like a large number to you guys, but when we go and we look at it and we see that 45 people apparently left uh, five star reviews, uh, 45 five star reviews, we are just, uh, we can't believe it sometimes. We really do take it as a measure of that you guys are happy with the content that we put out and uh, we are very grateful for it. So if you have not been able to do that, please uh, consider doing so. It helps us get past um, the algorithm. More people can find us. More people can listen to us, which helps us out immensely. So thank you in advance and thank you if you've already done that.
2: Yeah, I can't say it any better than Alicia, but it's really just overwhelming and incredible. And uh, yeah, 45 is a big number. That's that's a lot of people. And you can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y star. Um, And again, we are Kickout 299. And thank you so much for your support. Uh, Jesse. if you can take us home.
0: Don't miss next month as we'll be going over everything that happened during the Road Road Tournament.